Next on BYU Sports Nation, 10,000 spirals. How Steve Young was told he'd never be a quarterback at BYU. Award-winning author and Sports Illustrated contributor Jeff Benedict wrote the story. He'll join us live. Plus guest host Blaine Fowler, what he saw Steve Young do at BYU that made him better than the rest. Let's go. This is BYU Sports Nation. Brought to you by the BYU Store. Simulcast on BYU-TV and BYU-Radio. Now from Studio B, your hosts, Spencer Linton and Blaine Fowler. Wherever and however you dialed in, great to have you with us. BYU Sports Nation on your radio, television, and other media machinery. Presented by the BYU Store, your home for authentic BYU products. It is Thursday, November 6th. My name is Spencer Linton. I am teamed up with the Bowflex model understudy, Blaine Fowler. Thank you very I've never gotten to sit in this chair before. Yeah, you said in that. This other is chair. exciting. But the stuff all around me says Jerem Jordan, Jerem Jordan, Jerem Jordan. I'm a little worried that I can live up to Jerem. Every time Brian Logan comes in, and yeah, I'm surprised it doesn't say Brian because uh, Do we he, change it to Brian? He calls it the Logan takeover. So is this the Fowler takeover? No, no, I don't take over. Brian, he's got a little bit more of an ego deal going on. <laughs> and I a little he, bit. He probably wouldn't even do this show unless you changed all the stuff that said Brian. Am I right? You have no idea. Yeah, I know. I know. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm happy to sit in and be in this chair. It's pretty exciting. I get to, you know, I get to spend ten, fifteen minutes with you on Tuesdays. Now I get to spend a whole hour with you. This will be great. You're a really good liar. I, I almost believe you that you're excited to be. No, here with this me. is awesome. <laughs> this is awesome. I'm not kidding you. So, and I, and I love some of the topics we get to talk about today. I mean, there's this is, there's some fun, fun things we get to talk about. One of my old teammates and one of my dear friends, Steve Young. We're going to spend a lot of time talking about Steve today. There's, there's all kinds of news, but that, that's maybe what I'm most excited about. This is a defining moment for BYU Sports Nation. Blaine Fowler as a host. Join our conversation 24-7 using the hashtag BYUSN with today's Twitter question. And we've had this debate going on for a while. In fact, I was talking to my wife about this yesterday in the car. When is it too early or is it too early to start listening to Christmas music? So we have asked, and this goes off of two opinions from the BYU basketball team. Who do you side with when you start listening to Christmas music? Tyler Haas says, never too soon. <laughs> His assistant coach, Tim LeCombe, said, Ty, it's, it's too early. Where, where are you on this, Blaine? So I, you know, <laughs> Tyler's one of my favorite people. I love Tyler, but he's wrong. <laughs> Straight up. He's just wrong. You can't, you can't listen to it until after, until after Thanksgiving. It's a party foul if you're listening to Christmas music before Thanksgiving. Now, and there are, there are some rules that apply based on where you live. So if you're in the United States, we make a big deal out of Thanksgiving. So you just kind of have to hold off until Thanksgiving comes. And then you can jump into it the day after Thanksgiving big time. Now, if you're in London, you know, and our, our great camera woman right here, she's from London. If you're in London, you know, Halloween's not as big of a deal. Thanksgiving's not, you know, not a deal. You can start now if you're in the U.K., if you're in the U.S., you are not allowed to start until after Thanksgiving or it's a party foul. So do you shun all of the radio stations that the day after Halloween start playing Christmas music? Yeah, I can't. I just can't listen to that. <laughs> Who do you side and with? And I love Christmas. I love Christmas music, but I, you know, I'm a man about protocol. And there is a protocol in this country, and that is you have to look forward. You don't look past a holiday. We need to relish every one. Hallelujah. <laughs> what? <laughs> is that... The Hallelujah Chorus. Messiah, or the Hallelujah Chorus? Yeah. Oh, yeah. my goodness. <laughs> First tweet in from at Yeti Azul. Tim Lacombe is right. 
Wait until Black Friday for Christmas See? music. See? That's what I'm talking about. There is a protocol for these things, people. I'm telling you. BYU Sports Nation simulcast in beautiful radio vision on BYU Radio and on BYU TV. Rise and shout. It's time for What's Trending. What's Trending in BYU Sports Nation. Topic one. 10,000 spirals. This morning, Jeff Benedict, friend of BYU Sports Nation, Sports Illustrated contributor and an award-winning author, released an amazing blog about Steve Young and how he almost wasn't a quarterback at BYU on a number of occasions. Now, Blaine, you saw this firsthand because you were here. You were living the moment with Steve in a lot of ways. How did Steve Young almost not become a quarterback at BYU? That's absurd. Well, if you get a chance to to read the blog that, that Jeff put together, it, it, it's very accurate. I mean, I, as you mentioned, I was here living that at the time with Steve. When I was being recruited, I was coming out of New York as the as the player of the year in New York. Robbie Bosco was the Northern California player of the year. When we were being recruited, nobody even mentioned Steve Young to us. He wasn't even part of the conversation. When you're being recruited, you're asking, okay, who's here? The big deal was in, in the recruiting class. So remember, we're a year behind Steve Young, Robbie and I were. Now, both of us redshirted, so we ended up two years behind him because Steve didn't have a redshirt year. He just played. Um but in the recruiting process, you want to know who else is coming at your position. Sure. The big fear was that Sean Salisbury, who was the number one recruit in the country and the number one quarterback in the country, sound familiar, BYU fans, right? He was considering coming to BYU, LDS kid from Southern California. So Robbie had determined if Sean was going to sign with BYU that he would likely go to Cal. I was wavering thinking, heck, if Sean comes to BYU, maybe I should be at Penn State or at Pittsburgh and stay back east. Um, well, we heard that Sean wasn't coming, and then we had heard, well, you know, it's Jim McMahon, of course. He's unbelievable. He's just broken, you know, 70 NCAA records as a junior. Every He's record our guy. ever. <laughs> and, then, and then you and Robbie have a shot because we got Eric Chris Marzik here in the program. We have Jim Kimball in the program. Certainly you can compete with those guys. Even if it's Eric, he's a couple of years ahead of you. And so so th- this is how it's going to roll out. They never even talked about Steve Young. And and I think the reason was is because his the quarterback coach at that time that was involved in the recruiting process and all that, um, when Steve was a freshman, was a guy by the name of Doug Scoville. And and Doug did not like left-handed quarterbacks. It was a well-known fact. He was adamant about it. He, yeah, he he's like, a, a left-handed quarterback will never play. A left-handed quarterback's not in the Hall of Fame. They're not great quarterbacks. It's not going to fit in this offense. And so he had just written Steve Young off. And, and I'm convinced to this day, and I think Steve would agree with you, if Doug Scoville does not leave BYU after Steve's freshman year and go on to be the head coach of San Diego State, and if Ted Toner doesn't come in here and take the time to look at Steve and, and look at the potential that he had, not who he was, but who he was going to be, Steve plays defensive back at BYU. Unbelievable. He never plays quarterback. So Doug Scoville's decision to take that head job and move out of BYU ended up being a blessing in disguise for for Steve Young, for BYU football, for the San Francisco 49ers, um, for football history. Because I, I, I firmly believe that Doug Scoville stays here that Steve never plays quarterback. Well, in, in this blog that uh, Jeff Benedict wrote of Sports Illustrated. He'll join us live in about, oh, 12 minutes here on BYU Sports Nation. And I quote from the blog, Steve says this, I went to practice every day determined to prove Scoville wrong. I'd strap on my helmet and remember his words. You'll never play quarterback at BYU. If you want to read the entire excerpt, we just tweeted out the link to the blog at BYU Sports Nation. It is a fantastic read. 
Okay. Now I scroll down. Another thing that he said that really just was like, whoa. Okay. He says, quote, it's midseason and I'm the starting quarterback on the JV squad. One, there was a JV squad. Yeah, we used to have a JV squad back in those days. And we'd play Air Force's JV squad and we'd play, you know, you'd play Snow College and you'd go up and play Ricks. And so, yeah, there was a JV squad. It was a good program that could develop players. They don't have it anymore. Steve said he went to the game on November 1st when BYU played UTEP at home. BYU won that game 83-7 to behind Jim McMahon. But he went as a fan, and he said as he walked in, he got teary-eyed. He was, he was frustrated, maybe a little bit of depression setting in, like, I've got to get on the field. And he told himself, I'm going to get on the field. And as it's lined out in this blog and through what you saw, Blaine, Steve did something that really no other BYU quarterback has done, and, and that is he developed in a way at BYU because he was so raw when he came here. Yeah, and I don't know if this can ever happen again. And the reason why I say it can't ever happen again is because a quarterback like Steve Young's not going to get recruited to come play quarterback here ever again. Now, the way kids, the way recruiting happens and all the recruiting agencies that rate players and whether they fit into a certain system or not, Steve wouldn't come to BYU now. BYU wouldn't even have him. They wouldn't even look him in at quarterback. He ran the wishbone in high school in Connecticut. Growing up in Greenwich, he ran the wishbone. Now, he's got some history. Obviously, Brigham Young is his great, great, whatever, how many greats grandfather. His dad, Grip, played here. Um, and so he's got some history with BYU. So maybe Steve would have come and walked on. But Steve is not a guy that they would recruit right now uh, because he just doesn't fit their offensive philosophy. And, and so he comes in here, and you know all this talk, what I'm saying about when we're getting recruited, Robbie and I, we don't hear about Steve Young, right? When we get here, now Steve's a sophomore. Um, basically, Robbie and I are going, well, we see why they didn't talk about this guy. He can't play. <laughs> can't throw the ball. And, and, we're, and, and you, you would look at him in Marvel and you would say, okay, this guy is an unbelievable athlete. Unbelievable athlete. Um, but he's not real consistent with his accuracy. Um, he's, he doesn't have a ton of velocity on the football. Um, so he doesn't, and now in, in, in comparison, we're standing watching Jim McMahon get the number one reps and he's throwing it all over the place. And, and Jim's fundamentals are just flawless yeah. and the ball's coming out. Boom, boom. He's throwing BBs all over the field. And then we're watching Steven going, okay, well, we got a shot to start next year. Robbie and I'll compete for it next year as sophomore, you know, as, as, when we're, when we're as sophomores going in there. Um, but the thing I noticed about Steve was. He's one of the most competitive people I have ever seen in my life. And, and add to the competitiveness, he's one of the smartest people I've ever known and ever been around in my life. So he, he, he was smart enough to be aware of what he needed to do to get better. Um, he started to watch that perfect form of Jim McMahon and model his throwing motion after that. Nobody ever told Steve how to throw the football. He didn't grow up in a passing offense in high school. So he was this raw, raw talent that hadn't been coached, hadn't developed his skill set, and he was determined that if he had to do it on his own, he would do it on his own. And, and I have never seen someone come further with their ability to throw the football, ever, in football. And, I, and so from where he was when I first met him as a sophomore, he was better than he was as a freshman at that time. I didn't get to see him as a freshman. He must have been awful, <laughs> right? And Steve won't feel bad that I'm saying that. So, so he was average at best as a sophomore. But unbelievable athlete. And when he would get into games as a backup to Steve, he'd run around and make plays with his feet. And and you would still say, Man, I wonder if this guy can ever be a good quarterback because he just doesn't doesn't look like he has the throwing ability to especially play in this offense, let alone in the NFL. Um but 
he would come before practice. He would stay after practice. He literally, and you know, the title of the blog that Jeff wrote is 10,000 Spirals. He literally threw more balls than anybody I've ever seen throw balls. And he didn't stop progressing from his sophomore to junior year, from his junior to senior year. From from his senior year to his time in the USFL with the Express, where he was still a, a good quarterback, but not unbelievable, to when he was with Tampa Bay, to when he was with San Francisco, to his years in San Francisco, this is a guy that kept getting better. How often do you see a, an NFL quarterback continue to progress five and six and seven years into their career? It's rare. Peyton Manning. I yeah. mean, is there anybody else? He just Steve just kept getting better every year through his entire career, right up until he's winning the MVP of the Super Bowl. And so he never stopped working. There's this competitive fire that's inside Steve that all of us that know him well just is unbelievable. And there's this, there's this other part of him that kind of makes him who he is. There's this insecurity about Steve, this, at times you would see this lack of confidence that I think fueled his drive, where he never really felt like he'd arrive, where he always felt like he had something to prove, where he really wasn't sure if he was great. And we'd be around him, and we'd recognize it, and we'd go, man, Steve, unbelievable game. This is when he's a senior, and he's incredible. Yeah, but I mean, I, I threw that interception. And you'd go, he'd like be beating himself up. And, and, you, and, and you'd feel like, no, no, I got to boost, boost the guy. No, Steve, you're, you're okay. You're great. You're a great player. And it'd almost be like you'd be going, am I? Am I a great player? And, and so I think that little bit of insecurity that Steve has as part of his makeup, where he never felt like he'd arrived – is what drove him not just to prove Doug Scoville wrong, but to just keep getting better year after year after year after year. And so I, I would say, and I've seen a lot of athletes um, in a lot of different sports, I've never seen somebody come from point A and get to point B and have that distance be so great a distance in terms of his skill set and the player he was when he started and what he ended up being in sport. He transformed himself into one of the greatest athletes of all time. And that's what makes Steve Young unique, okay? The, the work ethic, you know, there, there are many people, many athletes, whether at BYU or not, across the world that could learn some great things from Steve Young. You want to be the best? You want to get better in a hurry? Well, you got to put in the time. It's just that it's, you have to put in the time. You have to do things that nobody else is willing to do. That's exactly right. Exactly right. And he did it. And, you know, underneath the raw guy that came to BYU – Obviously, there was a very talented football player, right? But, but it wasn't coaches necessarily that brought that out in Steve. You know, he didn't rely on coaches to drive him in. It was Steve that did it himself, that decided that he was going to be great and he was going to get on the field and he was going to prove people wrong. And you know what? Isn't that the way we see it? Michael Jordan, one of the most driven people in the history of, of – it doesn't matter whether you're in business or in sports or – if you ever hung around with Michael Jordan, you would realize that that guy's one of the most driven guys you've ever seen. Amazingly talented, but driven. Yeah, it's, it's not a secret. It's not, it's not a secret. Well, if you want to be the best, you got to do those things. It's are you willing to do that or not? Okay, we're going to talk more about this Steve Young 10,000 Spirals blog with the guy who produced it, Jeff Benedict. He'll be joining us in a few minutes on BYU Sports Nation. But first, the great debate on Twitter. Yes. It's Twitter time. We just got this tweet in from at Tyler Haas. Oh, no. Oh, no. He, he addresses it to myself and Tim will come. Hey, think what you want, but just know you're missing out. Hashtag jingle bells. Oh, <laughs> by yeah. the way, by the way, there, we asked you to favorite if you're in favor of Tyler or retweet if you think 
Mr. Lacombe is right, and you should listen to Christmas music after Thanksgiving. Twice as many favorites than retweets. So BYU Sports Nation is siding with Tyler Oz. It's easy to go with the All-American, yeah. right? And you want to know what? I think about it. Tyler's a happy guy, right? You ever see Tyler in a bad mood? The guy's never in a bad mood. Maybe that's because he's just got in his, he's just listening to the Christmas music <laughs> year-round. I don't know what the deal is, but he's always a happy guy. Also trending in BYU Sports Nation, Brandon Davies doing work for the Philadelphia 76ers, and that brings us to our stat of the day. It's the BYU Sports Nation stat of the day. 20. Brandon Davies scored 20 points last night. 9 of 11 shooting in a loss for the 76ers. Yes, loss. But still, how about Brandon Davies delivering? It's incredible. And there's a guy that has taken advantage of his skill set and worked like crazy. Nobody thought he could make it in the NBA. He's making it, folks. BYU women's volleyball back on their home floor tonight. This is BYU Sports Nation. We're coming back with Jeff Benedict. BYU Sports Nation presented by the BYU Store, your home for authentic BYU products. Spencer Linton and Blaine Fowler live from Studio B at BYU Broadcasting. Follow the show on Twitter at BYU Sports Nation. Blaine, if you're not busy tonight, you should watch the nationally ranked BYU women's volleyball team on BYU TV as the 14th ranked Cougars host St. Mary's. I plan to watch it. I absolutely plan to watch it. Jennifer Hampson is an unbelievable athlete. And that's just the beginning. I mean, Alexa Gray, Camry Godfrey, who grew up uh, near yep. you. We're going to talk to her She's a neighbor. We're going to have Camry on later. Yep. Yeah. That's, so if you're not busy A tonight, complete Ute convert to BYU. <laughs> she, oh, believe me, I'm going to hold her accountable for that when she comes she's on the She's the show. reformed Ute, yes. which we love to talk about yes. on BYU Sports Nation. Our Twitter question today is dealing with when you start listening to Christmas music. Tyler Haas says it's never too early. Tim Lacombe says it's too early. Favorite, we have sent out the tweet on BYU Sports Nation. Favorite, if you agree with Tyler Haas, retweet if you think Mr. Lacombe is right and you should wait until Black Friday. Also, use the hashtag BYUSN. At this point, Tyler Haas is in a runaway. I mean, it's not close. Oh, everybody loves Tyler. This is a popularity contest now. This is not based on principle at all. This is a popularity contest, and everybody loves Tyler. Hey, if you score 23 a game, everybody loves you and sticks with you. It's a sad reality. Joining us now, acclaimed author, Sports Illustrated contributor and friend of BYU Sports Nation, Jeff Benedict. Jeff, you have uh, you've hit the ground running today with this article that you released, this excerpt uh, called 10,000 Spirals featuring Steve Young. Uh, are you surviving the social media frenzy thus far? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's really, you know, Steve's made, I think, so many... Uh, so many friends over the years in the media business that um, back from his early playing days, I think he's always been, he's always had great relationships with the people who write about the game and about him. And so a lot of those guys this morning who saw the excerpt uh, have been tweeting it around and, and um, you know, universally, I think they all, they all love it because a lot of these guys used to cover him when he was a player. So it's, yeah, it's been great. New York times, best-selling author, Jeff Benedict on BYU sports nation. Jeff, how did this entire venture start how, how did this uh, project even get going with steve young uh you know i was gonna say kind of accidentally but a couple years ago when i was uh doing the initial cover story on jabari parker for sports illustrated the magazine when they realized you know jabari was going to have to deal with the question of whether to serve a mission or not we were kind of halfway through the profile and the the managing editor of sports illustrated said to me you know we really need a sidebar in the magazine about that question. Let's look at other great Mormon athletes 
uh, who've had to deal with the question and look at how they handled it. And, and they specifically said, we'd like you to interview Steve Young and Danny Ainge because neither of them went, and then maybe a couple other guys who did go. And so I called Steve. I'd never met Steve at that point in my life. I'd never talked to him. And I called him as an SI writer in, to request you know, an interview with him about the question of his mission. And um, we had a very long, interesting conversation about it. And, uh, and at the end of that call, he asked me, he said uh, he'd been meaning to call me, and he, he asked me if I w- would be interested in helping him research and write his life history for his family. It's something that he'd been thinking about for a long time. And, um, and I've been hired to do that for other people before. Um, and so naturally I was intrigued. I'd always admired Steve. We're both from Connecticut. Um, and, and so I, I was interested, and that's kind of how it started. It started very slow. Um, and very simply, and, and, and I just started working on it. And his request, he put me in touch with some of his former teammates and coaches from college and the 49ers and, um, and the LA Express, and we just started plotting along. That's how it began. You know, Jeff, we, we, were, we were reading through the blog, and, and there's, a, there's a part of it where Steve talks about, um, I think he uses the word insecurity, and, and Spencer and I were talking about that, that, that Steve is such a driven athlete, and, and part of that drive may come from the fact that underlying there's this great humility that is in Steve and, the, and a little bit of insecurity about never feeling like he's arrived. You've spent time with him now where certainly he has arrived. I mean, everybody knows who Steve Young is. He's a Hall of Famer. Sure. As, as you have sure. a chance to interact with him on a regular basis, is, is that humility and that insecurity still there? Do you see that? And does that still drive him in the things that he does today? Well, here's the thing I think that's really, really fascinating. I'm going to take you back to a conversation I had with him in a hotel room, you know, early on in this process. So when we started going and I was, I was basically meeting him in, on Mondays when he'd come east for Monday night games and I'd interview him and stuff. And, I read a lot of books about other sports memoirs and biographies, and I, I read some stuff on Joe DiMaggio. And one time years ago, Joe DiMaggio said, there's a reason that rich kids never make it in the big leagues. It's because they're not hungry, and they've never been hungry. And I, I read that quote to Steve one day, and I asked him what he thought about that, because, you know, Steve could be described as the the person who kind of breaks that that quote because he's you know he's from Greenwich Connecticut the richest zip code in the US and, and so I asked him about it and we we got in the big conversation about what drives him and and humility usually isn't a thing that drives great athletes if you think about what it takes to be a great athlete it's you know these are aggressive physical games where it's it's very macho and very tough and humility doesn't usually come in but in Steve's case I think one of the things that is really fascinating is that he has genuine humility. Like, he's always had it. Since he was little, he still has it today. And I think that's what allowed him to get around that kind of Joe DiMaggio quote, which is a pretty true statement. But Steve had other things working in his life that were pushing him or motivating him to excel the way he did. And I think that's what makes him such a fascinating character uh, in sports history. You know, he, he so there's that combination of this this humility, insecurity, whatever you want to call it. I don't know what the best word for it is. You're you're a better wordsmith than I am, Jeff. But but he's got that going for him. But 
He's this fiercely competitive. Those of us that played with him and stood by his side for a number of years, that combination, that competitive nature, um, you know, is, is, is the combination I think made him as good as he was. Does he still have that edge about him? I don't get to spend time with him anymore, and, and, and you've had some time. Is he as competitive sure. as ever? I mean, he wouldn't let you win in checkers back in the day. <laughs> no, I, I mean, I think, you know, um, obviously we all change as we age. You know what I mean? And, and um, you know, I'm almost 50, and Steve's still a little bit over 50. And I think when you reach – the point where, well, where both of us are at in our lives, you do change. I mean, you you get married, you have children. It, all of those things change your perspective and your approach. And he's not a professional athlete anymore. You know, he he does other things in his life now. But I think those the parts of him that are traits that are what I call character traits, those are always going to be in him, just like mine are always going to be in me. And I, I'm sure that if you you know if you put him on a field for a flag football game, um, you'd want to win. You know. <laughs> He'd want to outrace the guy to the goal line. He would want to throw the best pass. I mean, I think that's just part of his nature. Jeff Benedict, award-winning author, joining us on BYU Sports Nation. I want to quote an, uh, something from your excerpt that I that I was just kind of flabbergasted about, and that is that Steve Young admitted that he has an anxiety-ridden side. He said, there are two sides to me, the anxiety-ridden side, which often fills me with fear when I most need to be at my best. This is the part of me that I don't want anyone to know about. How did you sum that up when uh, when he told you about that? Was it hard for you to believe? Because that one caught me entirely off guard, Jeff. Well, I, you know, one of the things about, um, this is just more about the process, but in writing something like this, you have to sum it up. You can't just go on and on and blather on about these things. And so part of the trick is to get these these thoughts and, and these memories into a succinct narrative. And that's that's basically what he that's why he asked me to help. You know, that's what we're trying to do. And and I think um, you know, to me that's one of the most fascinating things about him is because I often say this, you know, fear, uh, courage isn't being, um, you know, exempt from fear. Courage is having fear and being willing to face it. As being able to manage and I think, it. Yeah, and I think that's why I think it's we, – we tend to be a little too quick when we call athletes courageous or heroes because a lot of times we're saying that because they do athletic things on the field. They're fast. They're strong. They, they make great catches. They make dunks. That's not courageous, though. That's not. What is courageous, on the other hand, is individuals who, who do have fears, and they face them and move on. And I mean, if you think of Steve's stories, I mean, coming to BYU and succeeding Jim McMahon, the greatest, arguably the greatest quarterback in college history up to that point. I mean, who wants to go after him? But that's nothing compared to going to San Francisco and coming after Joe Montana. I mean, that's like times 10. And I think his, if you look at the trajectory of his football life, it is story after story about things like that, that most athletes, no matter how great their athletic talent is, would not be able to hold up under those circumstances. He does. He doesn't do it once. He does it habitually. And I think that's what makes him the great player. I mean, he, he is a self-made Hall of Fame athlete. Sure, he had, he had great abilities. We all know that. But as he says in this chapter today, I mean, this is a guy when he got to BYU, didn't really know how to throw a football, didn't really know how to backpedal and do three-step drops and stuff like that. He had to teach himself how to do those things. And most guys, I think, would have withered away at that point.
Jeffy, we're all jealous of what you get to do, and and I know it's a job as a writer, but but this had to be a fun project and, and continues to be a fun project. What's it been like to visit with Steve on a regular basis, to get to know him intimately, and and to be able to go through these kinds of thoughts with him? T- tell us about this process and how how much you've enjoyed it. Well, I, I've enjoyed it immensely. I mean, I um, this was it's been about two and a half years or so, not steady, obviously, but, you know, we, we first met when I did the Jabari piece, so that was two and a half years ago. And, and I, I think that, uh, you know, one of the things that it's enabled me to do, which has been, you know, kind of a, a great fringe benefit was I grew up in Connecticut. I was the only Mormon in my school. I lived just up the coast from where Steve grew up and he was a few years older than me. So when I was a high school kid, he was, he was, an all-American at BYU, and and at that time in the early '80s, where I lived in Connecticut, having somebody like him doing what he was doing made my life easier, and um, and that was the case when he became a pro. And so, when I've worked on this, I mean, one of the things I've done is I've I never got to see Steve play in person when he was a pro, but what I do, what I've been doing today or the last couple of years is following him to NFL stadiums when he does Monday night games. And it's been fascinating to walk into these stadiums, even though he's been away from the game now for 14 years, when he walks into a stadium on a Monday afternoon, and it's mostly empty at that point, except the custodians and the grounds crew, everybody recognizes him. They all, a lot of these people that work at these stadiums have worked there their whole lives. They remember him from when he was a player. And it's really fascinating to watch the genuine respect and admiration they have for him. And usually it's not because of the feats on the field. It's because they remember things like his sportsmanship, his attitude, his approach to the game, his, its mannerisms. I think those are the things that, pe- of course, people remember, you know, when he threw six touchdowns in the Super Bowl and stuff. But it's the personal stuff with Steve that people cling to for a long time. And to be able to kind of trace back through some of these stadiums and see these things has been, uh, has been a fascinating thing for me to watch. New York Times bestselling author Jeff Benedict. You can read more at jeffbenedict.com. 10,000 Spirals is the blog he just released on Steve Young and his journey at BYU. Really good stuff. So good that we want to read all of it, Jeff. And, and that's my next question is, how do, we, how do we get our hands on this? Is this even going to be published? <laughs> well, I, you know, I don't know. I mean, that's, that's really up to Steve and, and uh, you know, really up to Steve and his family. That, it's, a, it's a personal decision. Um, he hired me to do something specific, and I, that's what I did. I mean, um, he's not the first person to do that, and and uh, and it was a great thing for me to help him do that. Uh, to you know, write his his life in a narrative form. He has it. You know, what he does with it from here is his call. Um, and um, you know, it's really a, a question for him. I want the book, Jeff, <laughs> and so so I'm going to call him and tell him I want the book. <laughs> And I'm going to get all of his old buddies to call him and tell him we want the book. So there you go. <laughs> well, that's great. Uh, I mean, I, I think it's great that he put this excerpt out because it's, um, it, it's, a, it's a good revealing look at him from a point in his life when he wasn't Steve Young, the superstar. This was a guy who was clawing and scratching and uncertain and nervous and all those things that, that frankly, lots of guys his age and girls 
experience early on in their life. And, and it's a window into how he dealt with it. And I, and I think that's what makes it pretty compelling. It's amazing to be able to relate with things like that. Like, oh, wait, he's not a superhero. He's a real human being who has real struggles. And this is how he overcame that. And I think that's uh, really enlightening and refreshing for people to look into. And just another reason why we all want to read the book. One thing I have noticed about uh, Steve Young and, and talking with him, Jeff, uh, the, the times that I have met him and, and interviewed him here on BYU Sports Nation, is his absolute loyalty to BYU. He is ingrained in what BYU football is and about and, and the future of it. How, just how connected to the Cougars and the football program is Steve Young right now, being as busy as he is? Oh, I, th- I think, you know, as connected as any other alumni and probably more so than most. I mean, he, you know, look, uh, this guy, if if you look at the, just the year 1980, which is when this excerpt takes place that's, that we put up today, think about that time in BYU sports history. Jim McMahon, Steve Young, and Danny Ainge all on the campus at the same time, not to mention guys like Bart Oates and and Tom Homo and Vi Sekahama and Trevor Maidich, all these guys who went on to have really good pro careers. But arguably, the two biggest stars to make it as pros were Danny Ainge and Steve Young. And, and I think that is, to me, like if I were going to identify a golden era in BYU sports, it's the early 80s. I mean, that, that is when they, they did things that people look back with like, wow, now that was, that was the glory days. And Steve was in the middle of all that. And I think, you know, obviously he loves BYU, but all you have to do is look at the impact he's had on so many other players who have come through the program since then, the quarterbacks, but not just quarterbacks, guys like Ziggy, uh, Ansa, or other players that Steve, you know, quietly helps and talks to. And I, I think he, you know, BYU did great things for him, and obviously he's done great things for BYU. I love, Jeff, that you, you mentioned the early 80s. I, people that weren't around, I always tell them that was like the Camelot. That's Camelot of BYU sports with what was going on with basketball, what was going on with football at the time. And then baseball, people forget that that's the Wally Joyner and Corey Snyder era and BYU was ranked in the that's top right. five in baseball. It, it was a right. magic time and, a, and the bright, shining star coming out of all of that with as great as BYU was and so many different things, Steve Young just rises right to the top of that list of people that have not only done a great job while they were here, but have represented BYU in a tremendous way for years after that. Yeah, and you know, I, I say this in all honesty because I, I take a lot of criticism from Utah fans who think I'm a big BYU homer guy, but the truth is when, I was, when that era was going on, I, I was not a BYU fan. In fact, didn't like BYU at all, but... Um, the only the thing I did like was I loved watching Steve and Danny, and they were just so entertaining and so um, exceptional in their performances that it was impossible not to like them. And then particularly when they got into the pros with the Celtics and the 49ers, it's great. But I think there's no question that that was the era for BYU. I mean, you, you can always look back to that and, and think about not only the great players, but th- those games that were won at the buzzer and stuff, are just they're amazing. Read more at jeffbenedict.com. Jeff, it's always nice to have you on the program. We appreciate the insight into uh, Steve Young in a light that we've never seen him, and we can hope and pray that he will share the We're, rest we'll, with us. And we'll us. also do our best to influence. <laughs> so, <laughs> so thanks so much, Jeff, for being with us. This, this is awesome. Hey, thanks, guys. It's always a, always a privilege to be on the show with you. 
Jeff Benedict, Sports Illustrated contributor and New York Times best-selling author, released the blog 10,000 Spirals. We have tweeted it out on our account at BYU Sports Nation. Take a look. Up next on the show, she's back for some more BYU Sports Nation karma. Camry Godfrey was awesome the last time she came on. Maybe put together the play of the year for the BYU women's volleyball team. What can karma do for her now? They're back home on their home floor tonight. This is BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio and on BYU TV. And now, back to more BYU Sports Nation. BYUSN continues. Spencer Linton and my guest host, Blaine Fowler, in Radio Vision on BYU Radio and on BYU TV. You know, I was asking your wife, Brenda, about this whole workout regime. And she just goes, isn't he hot? She did not say that. So she Brian, did too. I Brian promise. and I are having a bicep contest, but I'm having a hard time. But he has Logan hasn't been working out, so I think size wise I have him now. But he's got like a walnut thing going on that thing. It's like ridiculous. So I I think size wise I got him right. Do I have him on size? Okay, we need to screenshot this and send it out to I've Brian got, Logan. I've got it on this size. Needs to happen. But on. But on he is just it's just it's a genetics. He's got like a walnut kind of a crazy peak thing on that bicep. It's not right. It's freakish. Nobody breaks down biceps <laughs> like BYU Sports Nation. I'm strong. I'm telling you, I'm stronger than Brian right now. Wow, Brian, you're getting called out, my friend. So I yeah, there, he knows that though. I want an arm wrestle. This needs to happen. He might be able to squat more, but I can, be- I can bench more something. than him right now. I'm telling you right now. <laughs> Joining us now on BYU Sports Nation, benefactor of the BYU Sports Nation karma for the 14th-ranked BYU women's volleyball team, Camry Godfrey Willardson. <laughs> what is up, Camry? Welcome back to the show. Thank you. Glad to have you here. Okay, you put together quite a performance the last time you came on uh, the weekend that you were on the show, and you had this crazy play where you're diving out of bounds and you save the ball and it like goes over the net at this ridiculous angle and you score a point. At that moment, were you like, okay, the karma's real? <laughs> How could you not be? No, I was just thinking. I'm. I saw Tia running for that ball, and I thought I'm gonna get that ball over. And so it happened to go over. And so I guess it was from the karma. Okay, well there you go. Well, she's been trying to get back on the show ever since. <laughs> like that, the whole team lines up. When can I be on the show? I need that karma. I need Sports Nation karma, right? Yeah, yeah, that's how it happens. Okay, back true. back home tonight. You had this weird situation last week uh, when, when you get swept. Was that the wake-up call that you guys needed? I mean, what was what was Coach Olmstead's uh, message to you after the sweep loss on the road? Um, you know, we just realized that that wasn't us that night, and so everyone was super eager to get back in the gym the next day, and that's exactly what we did and worked on the things that we needed to and then came out against San Francisco and – Swept take care them. of business, yeah. Take so, care of business. So when you, when you say that 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 wasn't us, in, in what way? Like specifically, were you not passing the ball well? What what was it specifically that wasn't normal for you guys? I mean, yeah, we just we weren't passing. We weren't. We just weren't ourselves. You know, the energy wasn't there, and Santa Clara played super well. So. You're in a good place to win your first outright West Coast Conference championship. What would that mean to this team, given the expectation level that was set really high for you guys with Jen Hampson coming back and Alexa Gray, and then you're obviously improving and getting more confident. So how does it feel to be this close to reaching the pinnacle of the goal that you set for yourself? Yeah, it's really exciting, but I think we can't look so far ahead. You know, We just have to look at tonight's match, which is 
going to be a really good match for us. And so we just have to take that little baby steps to accomplish what we want to. So, so what are the keys for, for a win tonight? How about for a sweep tonight? Oh, yeah. okay. What, what does it take to get a sweep tonight? What does this team have to do? You know, we always say it doesn't matter if we win in three, four, five. We just want to continually try and improve and get better. And so if we just come out with that energy and looking to improve, then I think 